Hello, and welcome to the Bite Size Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Shiroki, and today we are going to continue our look at Exodus, at the Law of Moses. Today we're going to look at Exodus chapter 30. We're going to look at the altar of incense, the ransom money, the bronze lavere, the holy anointing oil, and the incense. Again, I, um, a little while back, did a few episodes on Jesus being the fulfillment of the law. I misspoke during part one of that um, series, I guess you could say, because I just did part three yesterday. And I plan on doing more as we go through the law of Moses. I want to keep kind of um, periodically just throwing in an episode here and there of how Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. As he keeps revealing himself to me, I feel like I should share with you exactly what God shows me. I feel compelled to do this. It's amazing how, like in life, you know, when you make a bit of a mistake, you know, and God shows you your error, he gives us an opportunity to correct those errors. And he also usually provides a great lesson of learning that only he can provide through experiences only with him in his Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what I'm going through now. It's been a tremendous blessing and time of learning for me as we go through the book of Exodus. And also as I look at Jesus being the fulfillment of the law, um, it's nice to kind of reference back and forth. You know, this is all obviously Old Testament. We're looking at, um, again, we're going from basically Exodus 19 all the way through the book of Deuteronomy. That's a majority of what we call the Torah. The Torah are actually the first five books of the Bible. But, um, you know, uh, basically three and a half of those books are the Mosaic Law given to Moses directly from God himself on Mount Sinai. And, um, you know, the level of instruction and detail that God provides Moses is absolutely mind-blowing. It's incredible, Um, you know, and it's really a blueprint for how we should all live, you know. Um, Again, Jesus was the perfect fulfillment of the law. The law basically exposes, (laughs) see, there's two sides to the law. There's God showing us how to live, and then there's our flesh that wants to go against, directly against what God shows us, so it exposes our sin. Because as much as we try to do things on our own, we can never do them on our own. But now that we're under the new covenant, we can walk out God's purposes for our lives when we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and he fills us with his Holy Spirit. That same Holy Spirit gives us the very life we need, that that we are born again Christians. We are born again of the Spirit. As Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, absolutely amazing encounter. Um, Jesus explained to Nicodemus that we need, we are, we're all born of water. That means we're all born from a mother. But then we are born a second time of the Spirit. That is, those that believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's an amazing, miraculous mysterious process but God calls his children out of the world gives us ears to hear eyes to see and then he fills us and gives us the power 
to walk out the purpose for our lives that he has. Do we mess up and slip up sometimes? Sure. We're human beings. We're still in the flesh. We're in a fallen world. Are we subject to the bondage of sin? Absolutely not. Jesus Christ broke those chains of sin on the cross. He fulfilled the law by living a perfect life and never breaking one of God's commandments. That is how and why he is, that's why we call him our sacrificial lamb. He bore the sins of the entire world, all of my sins, past, present, and future, and all of your sins, because, why? Simply because God loves us. He loves us enough to give us his first fruits, his one and only son, and Jesus Christ was our substitute on that cross. We all deserve the death penalty for violating God's laws, but In God's grace and amazing mercy, he decided to pour out his wrath on his perfect son in the ultimate act of love that will far exceed anything any human being has ever done or will ever do on this earth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your amazing plan. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your amazing grace. Again, the unmerited, undeserved, free gift from God so just relax settle down there's nothing you can do to please God any more than he's already pleased with you how amazing is that believe it live it understand it hold it in your heart I mean we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ saves us from the punishment that we all deserve which is an eternal separation from God If you can believe that, you need to believe and grasp and understand that through the grace and forgiveness that God offers through his son, Jesus Christ, that you're also fully accepted by God. Satan wants us to not accept and realize that because he wants to keep tormenting us in this life. But the more you get into this living word, understand what the truths of God are and what his truth is that is very harmonized throughout all 66 canonical books of the Bible written during the course of thousands of years by many different authors who had sometimes no knowledge of each other who (laughs) I'm sure were absolutely dumbfounded at times when they were writing these things down and these revelations from the Holy Spirit but the harmonization and the true reality of the complete revelation of Jesus Christ throughout the word of God, that's the truth that we must grab hold of and we must know it in our hearts and put on that armor of God every morning because every day Satan's going to try to attack you different ways. But the less you rely on yourself and the more you realize we can do nothing apart from God, then that's when the true victory comes. Because when you hide in the wings, hide behind the Lord, and simply say, Lord, I can't do anything, but you can do everything and nothing's impossible with you, then those chains, those those chains of bondage, those chains of sin are broken off of your life. Now, 
don't ever look back or don't miss. <laughs> I mean, it, it's foolishness to think that we would miss the, the things that God sets us free from. But like Lot's wife, if you let something enter your heart and if you look back, you will die spiritually. And then you will have to come back to the Lord, repent, get right with God and continue on your walk. But trust me, if you're already in a good place with the Lord, you don't want to go through those cycles. Just put the old, let the old man die, live out the new life that God gives us. Get into the word, read Galatians, read Ephesians, read all the letters that Paul wrote to the churches thousands of years ago that are still more applicable today than I bet they were back then. Because that's the amazing wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Not only was Paul speaking to issues that he knew the church and the people were going through at the time, but by God's divine revelation, those very same um, issues are still present in us because when it comes down to it, there's nothing new under the sun. Satan tries the same tricks, the same um, temptations, the same trials over and over and over. You know why? Because a lot of people fall for it, but we don't have to. Proclaim victory simply in the name of Jesus. Ask the Lord for daily, continual fillings of His Holy Spirit. You need to keep your cup full so that it overflows and you can share Him with others. Once you get to the point of serving others, once you get to the point of being completely sold out, quote unquote, or unashamed of the gospel, and just once people know who you are in Christ, that is the amazing life of freedom in Christ. So, all right, without any further ado, let's take a look at Exodus chapter 30 and all the amazing instruction God gives Moses here. Okay, and like I said, we are going to be in Exodus 30, starting in verse 1. You shall make an altar to burn incense on. You shall make it of acacia wood. A cubit shall be its length, and a cubit its width. It shall be square, and two cubits shall be its height. Its horns shall be of one piece with it, and you shall overlay its top, its sides all around, and its horns with pure gold. And you shall make for it a molding of gold all around. Two gold rings you shall make for it under the molding on both its sides. You shall place them on its two sides, and they will be holders for the poles with which to bear it. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. And you shall put it before the veil that is, before the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony, where I will meet with you. Aaron shall burn on it sweet incense every morning. When he tends the lamps, he shall burn incense on it. And when Aaron lights the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense on it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall not offer strange incense on it, or a burnt offering, or a grain offering, nor shall you pour a drink offering on it. And Aaron shall make atonement upon its horns once a year 
with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. Once a year he shall make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. All right, so that's Exodus 30, verses 1 through 10. And one thing we can note right away, as we have already seen, that that um, altar is to be lined with gold. So we know just right away with that high highest quality of material that this is going to be in the most holy place or the holy of holies to be used again, <clears throat> excuse me, to burn incense directly to the Lord. And that's why God gives such precise instruction as to what exactly is to be done with this specific altar. Again, that subsection is called the altar of incense. So let's look at the notes for that section and we'll move on from there. The altar of incense, which symbolized daily prayer to God, was a type of Christ as our intercessor. Strange incense was any not made according to formula in verses 34 to 38, which we're going to take a look at. The Day of Atonement was instituted as the time of year when the high priest offered a sacrifice to atone for the sins of the nation. This sacrifice was man's recognition of the fact that he could not atone for his own sins. All right, so let's move on. We're going to take a look at the next section in Exodus 30, verses 11 through 16, which my Spirit-Filled Life New King James Version Bible subtitles, The Ransom Money. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, When you take the census of the children of Israel for their number, then every man shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord. When you number them, that there may be no plague among them when you number them. This is what everyone among those who are numbered shall give, half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary. A shekel is twenty giras. The half shekel shall be an offering to the Lord. Everyone included among those who are numbered from twenty years old and above shall give an offering to the Lord. The rich shall not give more, and the poor shall not give less than half a shekel. When you give an offering to the Lord to make atonement for yourselves, and you shall take the atonement money of the children of Israel and shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of meeting, that it may be a memorial for the children of Israel before the Lord to make atonement for yourselves. All right, let's take a look at the notes here for Exodus 30, 11 to 16, where it says, The tabernacle was partially supported with this atonement tax. All paid the same atonement fee to ransom their lives for all our sinners. The tax was paid by weight, approximately two-tenths of an ounce of various metals. All right, moving on, we're going to look at Exodus chapter 30, verses 17 through 21 next. This is called the bronze laver. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, You shall also make a laver of bronze, with its base also of bronze for washing. You shall put it between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, and you shall put water on it. For Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet in water from it. When they go into the tabernacle of meeting, 
or when they come near the altar to minister, to burn an offering made by the fire of the Lord, they shall wash with water lest they die. So they shall wash their hands and their feet lest they die, and it shall be a statute forever to them, to him and his descendants throughout their generations. All right, looking at the note here for that section, it says, the lavir or laver, I'm not sure how you say that, but I'm going to say lavir, was used by the priests to cleanse their hands and their feet. This was a type of Christ's cleansing us from the impurities of the world. So we've already seen where basically the altar of incense was basically a type of Christ as our intercessor. Again, just a sweet offering to the Lord, which is exactly what Jesus Christ was on the cross for our sins. And we see here that this process was this process with the Levir where they were to, um, to burn an offering made by the fire of the Lord. They shall wash with water lest they die. Again, it was a type of Christ's cleansing us from the impurities of the world. So like I was saying earlier, we have the power of the Holy Spirit and through Christ's redemption work on the cross, God cleanses us from past, present, and future sin. It's an amazing concept and it's really impossible to wrap our minds around, but that's how God views us. When we say God views us the same way he, he clothes us in Jesus' righteousness when we become saved. That's exactly what happens. We are clothed in not anything we do, not our works, lest anyone should boast. We are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. All of the work he did, all of his accomplishments, that is what God views us and sees us clothed in when he views us. Again, this is absolute truth. The problem and the, 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 the um, trouble people have believing it is the fact that they allow Satan to constantly beat them up over their poor decisions in the past or their current poor decisions. And they continually go through this process of essentially unforgiveness. Sometimes the hardest people to forgive are, is ourselves, you know, um, there's a fine line in forgiving yourself, and um, you, you also want to learn from your past and not repeat those mistakes. So there's a, I guess there, there's a, there's a bit of a mystery to learning and letting go of the um, negative aspect of things that we've lived and done in the past, not forgetting the lessons we learned, but also forgiving ourselves for those things and not letting Satan, the world or anybody in the world, especially ourselves, hold them over our heads as to debilitate us from, uh, from seeing us and understanding how God sees us because we need to understand these truths in order to truly be set free and to, you know, take on that easy light yoke the burden that is light, the the easy yoke that Jesus has for us, which is simply give everything to him and rely on him for everything. 
rebuke pride, rebuke ego, rebuke the world, the flesh, and the devil, and they will flee. Walk in the spirit. That's, it's really that simple. Now, getting from point A to point B can take a long time for some people. It took me a long time. But once you arrive to that place, you really, you're very grateful for the reality and the blessing that God really bestowed upon us when he gave us his son, Jesus Christ, as our sacrificial lamb. And then when he fills us with his Holy Spirit, I'm definitely going to take a look pretty soon at where Jesus, you know, he specifically says it's better for him to go up to heaven so he can send the Holy Spirit, the helper, down to us. I mean, Jesus, I guess one, when I think about that quickly, um, I guess Jesus knew as being 100% man how vital it was for him to be full of the Holy Spirit so that he could fulfill God's plan for his own life on this earth that his earthly ministry fulfilled. So he being, of course, God also, and God himself, God incarnate, he knew how essential it was for us to be full of the Holy Spirit. That's why, again, he's seated at the right hand of the Father currently. We are seated with him at the right hand of the Father but at the same time, he fills us with his Holy Spirit here so that we can fulfill the purposes of the kingdom of heaven right here and now on this earth. So that we can go out and preach the gospel and fulfill the Great Commission as we're commanded to do. You know, that's one thing we have to realize, too. <laughs> Jesus and God, they're not making suggestions here to Moses. And Jesus wasn't making suggestions on how to live in the New Testament. They are commandments. It, it really takes some discipline to wrap your mind around the fact that our loving Lord, he was commanding us and instructing us on how to live. If you simply get into his word and also go, go through the books from Acts all the way through to Revelation, um, you might want to stop there right at the book of Jude because <laughs> Revelation can take some uh, extra uh, study guides to really get through. But just go from Acts through that book of Jude and see the instruction that God gives us through his apostles, through his writers of the New Testament, through the Holy Spirit. They are not optional. If you want to live a godly life and you want to fulfill God's purpose for your life, you need to know them first and foremost, which is only known by getting into the word on your own so you can have that intimate fellowship with the Lord. Nothing beats this time I have I'm pretty much on a daily basis again of just getting into God's word. It's, it's the best time of my day. I look forward to it. I know that all the earthly worldly stuff I do during the day is not even close to comparable to the amazing spiritual time and growth I experience every time I get into God's living word. Because again, this living word is Jesus. This is, he was the word. He is the word. 
And although we can't physically touch, see, or um, hear the Lord, we can physically touch, see, and hear God through his living word, which we all have access to. So don't take that for granted. Embrace that very reality and you'll be that much better for it. Life is so much easier when we fully surrender to the Lord and say, God, I can't do this, but with you, nothing is impossible. And get into his word. It, it, it's, the, it, it's, the, it, it's the icing on the cake. It, it's, the, it's the cream of the crop when it comes to anything you can do in, in your daily life and in your life in general. So again, that spiritual growth is unlike anything and so much more amazing than any TV show, any sports broadcast, any uh, social media garbage websites you'd want to get involved with, um, any video games, you know, believe me, there's nothing wrong with all that in moderation. And as long as you're not doing anything sinful, but at the same time, that's empty stuff of the world. And frankly, when the more you get into the living word, the less you crave and desire those things. And then you really start to grow. You get that appreciation for who God is. So don't ever take it for granted. Don't ever take him for granted. All right. Let's look next at, we're going to continue in Exodus 30. We're going to look at verses 22 through 33. My Spirit Filled Life, New King James Version Bible. Again, subtitles this section. The holy anointing oil. Moreover, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also, take for yourself quality spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much sweet smelling cinnamon, 250 shekels, 250 shekels of sweet smelling cane, 500 shekels of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary and a hin of olive oil. And you shall make from these a holy anointing oil, an ointment compounded according to the art of the perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. With it, you shall anoint the tabernacle of meeting and the ark of the testimony, the table and all its utensils, the lampstand and its utensils, and the altar of incense the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils and the lavier and its base. You shall consecrate them that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them must be holy. And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister to me as priests. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you shall speak to the children of Israel saying, this shall be a holy anointing oil to me throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on man's flesh, nor shall you make any other like it, according to its composition. It is holy, and it shall be holy to you. Whoever compounds any like it, or whoever puts any of it on an outsider, shall be cut off from his people. All right, let's take a look at the notes here for, again, Exodus 22 to 33 of chapter 30. 
It says myrrh is an extract from a myrrh tree. Cane is a reed-like grass smelling like ginger that grows along streams. Cassia is a flowering plant that smells like cinnamon. Just on a quick side note, I mean, those ingredients, uh, the, the way they describe them sound absolutely amazing. First off, just cinnamon, that smell is so just mm, so enticing and so uh, just just beautiful and natural. And um, this, this smells and the description of this incense oil sounds very, very, um, you know, it's, it sounds very invigorating to the, uh, to the senses. It sounds, smells absolute or the description. I could imagine the smell being absolutely incredible. So, all right, let's continue here. Anointing oil, a type of the Holy Spirit, prepared one for service. It was also part of the service. So, again, I mean, this holy anointing oil and the oil, usually oil, the the holy oil represents the Holy Spirit in that the Holy Spirit is alive and burning inside of each and every one of us the same way the um, holy oils and the incense were burnt um, and representative of the spirit of God, essentially in the Holy of Holies and in the tabernacle. So, you know, again, just amazing parallels, correlation between the instruction here in the law and exactly what Jesus Christ does and did spiritually for us and what the Holy Spirit does spiritually within us and through us. Um, you know, just the very thought of us being the tabernacle or temple of the Holy Spirit should be enough motivation for us to want to lead as holy a lives as we can, because we don't want to ever offend God. And remember that the Holy Spirit is fully one third of the Godhead and just, um, I don't say this to guilt people or try to get legalistic because we all have our struggles, but we are not called to bondage. We are called to be set free. So um, Paul speaks about that very thoroughly in Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, you know, all the amazing books and letters that Paul wrote. Read them. Get into them. He really addresses all this stuff amazingly very detailed. And again, Paul was the perfect one to convey these messages because he was an absolute expert and a head um, leader in the Sanhedrin, which was a very strict sect of Judaism at the time. So when God knocked him off his high horse on the road to Damascus, you know, there was a reason why Paul was chosen. And just thinking about the amazing... (laughs) The way God forgives people, the way he calls us, the way he calls us into his purposes and uses us is absolutely mind-blowing. And he chooses each and every one of us for the unique lives we've had, the experiences we've had, the um, you know um, education, the life experience, the um, just the our experience is everything is used by God for his glory, essentially. Even the, 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 we can look at the Sanhedrin and what Paul was prior to it. When he was Saul of, of Tarsus, he was an evil, mean dude. I mean, he used to just drag Christians and beat them because he was so, so, you know, bonded to the law and so, 
committed to this uh, religious sect of Judaism. But again, when God has a call on our lives, he knocks us off our high horses and uses everything we have for his glory. How amazing is that? How amazing is it when God just flips us on our heads and just says, oh, you think so? Well, check this out. I mean, that's the living, amazing God we serve and that loves us enough to give his only son for us. So embrace his word, embrace him, realize that he's the most important thing in this world. Believe me, I have people I love, I have children I love and would give my life for. But when it comes down to it, Jesus Christ and the Lord should be first in every one of our lives because he is the ultimate power source. So. Don't ever forget that his word is the ultimate source of knowledge and life. So don't ever let anybody lie to you or don't ever put any other man's words above what's here in this living word, because we can easily know if someone's a liar just by contrasting what they say against this word of God. God addresses every single thing we'll ever come across in life in this amazing book called the Bible, called the living word of God. So, you know, people can laugh at that. They can call me naive. They can call the Bible a storybook. I pity those people. The revelations of Jesus Christ through both my own life, my own witness, as well as what he shows me daily in this very living word, I, I the more I get to know the Lord and how real he is and his word is, the more I pity and really feel sorrow for the people that have such horrible, harsh attitudes towards God. And sometimes it's because they've seen horrible examples of people that call themselves Christians that were total hypocrites. But at the end of the day, Jesus Christ is who we all look up to, and that's who calls us out of this world, and that's who ultimately they reject. And that's why the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, rejection of God's work on this earth, is the unpardonable and unforgivable sin. So, all right, let's finish up our look at Exodus 30. We're going to conclude with verses 34 through 38. My Spirit-Filled Life, New King James Version Bible subtitles this section, The Incense. And the Lord said to Moses, Take sweet spices, Stacte and Onicha and Galbunum, first time reading those, if you can't tell, and pure frankincense with these sweet spices, there shall be equal amounts of each. You shall make of these an incense, a compound according to the art of the perfumer, salted, pure, and holy. And you shall beat some of it very fine and put some of it before the testimony in the tabernacle of meeting where I will meet with you. It shall be most holy to you. But as for the incense which you shall make, you shall not make any for yourselves according to its composition. <clears throat> Excuse me. It shall be to you holy for the Lord. Whoever makes any like it to smell it, he shall be cut off from his people. All right. So let's look at the notes here for that section and we'll wrap this up. So incense was used widely 
in religious ceremonies in the East. The rare and expensive ingredients symbolize that Yahweh is entitled to the best available. Hallelujah and Amen. Simply put, just as this were these ingredients were the finest and, and the most expensive and the most sought after in the world, essentially, I'm sure, we owe every bit of ourselves and every fiber of ourselves to the Lord because that's what he gave us in his son, Jesus Christ. So that's why it's sinful to hold on to any sin or any part of our lives. That's why people struggle with sin because they don't want to submit and fully yield to the Lord. So just do it. Trust me. It's way better on this side than that side. All right. Um, let's see here. All right. Let's try these again. So stacte is a resin from the storax tree. Onicha is a dark brown gum resin. Galbanum originally comes out of the plant as a milky substance that changes into a gum. Frankincense is an aromatic gum resin. All right. So that right there, again, concludes our look at Exodus chapter 30. We looked at the altar of incense, the ransom money. Interesting in the ransom money, too, where the Lord commands and says, everybody pays the same amount. Regardless of your income, everybody pays the same amount. I'm going to look into that a little deeper. There's a lot of notes here for that section. I do... You know, I, um, I I do tithe, I do give offerings, and I do, um, I don't follow a, you know, number per se. I don't give exactly 10%. I don't give exactly, um, frankly, the Lord puts on my heart every time he blesses me with something, what I should give. And it's never consistent with a number. Um, it's interesting how that works, but I know this, I know the voice of the Lord. And I know what he commands me to do. So sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less than, say, the typical 10% people think of. But it's interesting there how essentially God requires the same amount from everyone. So I guess when I think about my overarching theme, I guess, and essentially what I've been talking about, especially in this episode, is he requires all of us. He requires not a little bit if you're, you know, poor not a whole bunch if you're rich, but he requires the same amount. That is all of us when it comes to what we give to him. It's an interesting, uh, interesting dynamic there that, um, you know, again, I don't believe also that our tithes and offerings are limited to just financial things. I believe also that we can give our offerings and tithes through our time, through our skills, through, um, whatever God calls us and convicts us to do, that's kind of out of our comfort zone, if you will. It takes faith to tithe. It takes faith to, you know, donate, you know, money that frankly, sometimes we don't have. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> God has always met my needs. Not always met my wants, thankfully, because some things I've wanted, I'm glad he didn't meet. But Anytime I've ever had a need in life, God has been there and met that need. He's amazing. When he opens those windows, when we need them opened, and when he opens that storehouse and just gives us from his supply, it's miraculous, literally. So 
the least we can do is give every area and every bit of ourselves to him. It's such an amazing process too. What a blessing it is that God wants all of us. Think about that. Think about how rotten we are on the inside. We all know the darkness, the thoughts, the things that we're tempted with. We all know that rot that's inside of us in this flesh. But God wants us all, including all of that, so he can clean it out, so he can equip us with the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, to battle those constant things we're going to face, the breastplate of righteousness, the truth that's wrapped around our waist, the helmet of salvation to protect our minds and our very spirit and souls. You know, I mean, and the beautifully, last but definitely not least, those beautiful sandals of the gospel of peace that he gives to each and every one of us. Though again, there's plenty of times when Jesus himself taught parables about a master giving servants a certain per, a certain number of whatever it may be, talons, minas, I believe they are in another parable. And he says he basically gives them to the servants or his underlings, if you will, gives them some time and then goes back and says, All right, well I gave you this. What what do you have? What what do you have to show for it? You know? What that is, what those parables mean are essentially Jesus, we all have the gospel. God gives us himself. He gives us his Holy Spirit. Now, what do you do with it? Trust me, just <laughs> be a wise steward of what God blesses you with. Be a wise steward as to a wise servant, a bond servant. Realize and recognize you're going to be a slave to something. You're either going to be a slave to Satan and sin or you're going to be a slave to Jesus Christ, his righteousness, and his salvation. It's really not much of a choice if you really think about it and look at it that way. So surrender fully every area of your life to God. Let him work through you. Give him all that he asks for because he gave us all that we could ever need in Jesus Christ and his amazing Holy Spirit that he gives us and fills us with. So Please, I implore you, I, I beg of you for your own good and for the good of the church and for this. We need a revival. We need this to happen. But it doesn't happen without the church, without his people coming to him. If my people will repent, if my people will come to me, if they will give themselves and yield, I will pour out a blessing. I will use them to pour out on the nations his Holy Spirit. We need this. The world needs this. It's easy to look around and complain. It's easy to look around and have fear and be scared and worried. We have nothing to fear, worry, or be scared of. We need this to happen ASAP. So that said, that's going to conclude our look at Exodus chapter 30. So God bless and have a great day.